couple of months ago, we had a discussion about who we thought would be the actors and actresses of this generation. The ones who would be remembered in 50 years' time. Judging from the feedback, it went very well. Although Ryan Gosling, of course, remains open to debate and will be discussed further in an upcoming episode. And no, Paul, Rebel Wilson still does not count. Following this show, Phil has come up with the excellent idea of going back a generation, focusing on actors and actresses born between 1943 and 1973. People who, for the most part, made an impact in that best-of-all cinema-going decade, the 1970s. And to be honest, <laughs> if you didn't act in that, you're nobody. Phil, welcome back. Thank you for the excellent idea. And how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to this one. So before we start, what are your thoughts on the original show now it's all been uploaded? I think that Ryan Gosling is an excellent actor, that's what I think. <laughs> I, I look forward to that discussion. Also here, the rest of the team, Graham, a person who only just qualifies as being in the age range for the generation under discussion, that'll be Neil. Oh, that's hard. And another Phil, Mr. Phil Stubbs. How are you doing, Phil? Hello again. Yeah, All good, right. thanks. The rules are simple. We go around the table with each of us firstly making a case for an actress of that generation and why you think they're an all-time great, and then it's open for the rest of us to agree or disagree with you. And then we'll do the same for the actors. So let's begin. Phil, Mr. Foster, let's hand over to you. Meryl Streep, born in 1949. I was a grown woman. I was fully come of age. I was a married woman when I realized that I hate my father beyond all words to tell it. It was the um, winter of uh, 1938. And my father is working for weeks on the speech he calls Poland Jewish problem. Ordinarily, I type those speeches and I don't hear to the words, to their meaning, but this time I, I came upon a word repeat several times that I have never heard before. The solution for Poland's Jewish problem, he concludes, is Fernichtung. Extermination. So, like, I've got an easy one with Mel Street, actually. So, I've actually opened the notes that um, you put together for us, Jeff, because to remember her Oscar nominations and Oscar wins from memory is it would be quite an epic feat, I think. In terms of Oscar wins, we've got Kramer versus Kramer and Sophie's Choice, which I think are hands down classics, and The Iron Lady, which I think is a great performance in a fine film. But then in terms of nominations, I'm not even sure I want to read all of these, but I think there's about 17 or 18 nominations. Yeah, which yeah, it's win. phenomenal. But the ones I, I wanted to pick out were The Deer Hunter, which I think was one of her sort of very first films, yeah. which I think is a phenomenal film. And then just in terms of to show her diversity, we've got things like Bridges of Madison County, which is very much sort of a romantic film. And then you've got Adaptation, which is a really out there, quirky comedy. The Devil Wears Prada, which is kind of a mainstream, really popular, big sort of film. And then to the likes of Doubt and August Osage, which are like really sort of dramatic uh, films based on plays. And then you can go and 
look at something like Into the Woods, which is a musical. So, and when I was looking through her filmography across the sort of generation, she's done comedy, drama, thrillers, musicals. There's a bit of everything in there. And she's done a Wes Anderson film in Fantastic Mr. Fox. So what more could you possibly want? I do have to say, when I was looking for the list of nominations for the amount that she's had recently, I do think it's getting almost a little bit of a joke, like almost she does a film, so therefore she must get nominated for Best Sporting Actress. Um, but when you look at her body of work, she's worked with some great directors. She's got some really sort of killer classic films, which I think is one of the sort of things we were discussing last time about have they made films that are like stone cold classics. So in the likes of Deer Hunter, Manhattan, Kramer versus Kramer and Fantastic Mr. Fox, she has. And that's that's my sort of spiel on Meryl Streep. I think it's it's almost too easy. I feel like I should have prepared more for her. I don't think you need to. I think you're right. I mean, if you're talking cinematic greats, Meryl Streep is there. I just want to pick up on that point you said about her more recent stuff, maybe they just you know go through the motions. Her portrayal in Florence Foster Jenkins, I thought, was incredible, and she brought a real pathos to a character that could have been looked at as a figure of fun. Any of you guys seen that film? Mm. No, I haven't seen it, and it is on my to watch list. This is about this crazy woman whose friends convince her that she can sing, and because she's wealthy, she has a desire to sing, sing. in great. Grand yeah. places, places, and so they yeah. try and hire places it, to fall as a concept. As a yeah. concept, it looks okay. brilliant. And it's so, let so, me add another layer to that for you. The reason she can't sing, and she did sing as a child, is because when she married her husband, passed her on syphilis to her. Oh, right, that, that, that's that. a great comedy yeah, comedy it, yeah. motivator. Shit. Yeah, so that's what ruined her voice. So maybe I haven't seen it. Maybe it's so, just a whole load of trailers and bit. Yeah, and uh, and. It, it's there's a real depth to it. I mean, yeah, her and Hugh Grant in that film were just incredible. So yeah, yes. I, I thought I thought that was a very good film. Actually, I do agree with you, and I thought Hugh Grant was very good in that. But on the flip side of that, because I do agree with that as a really good performance, we've got nominated recently. This is a bit controversial, but Steven Spielberg's The Post, which she got nominated for, I felt that she was kind of just delivering a a very solid capable performance that it got oscar nominated i was like oh, i'm not sure about that and i yeah, but i didn't fair. love i didn't love the post that much generally speaking i thought it was really sort of serviceable film but it didn't ignite any sort of fire in me at all. i agree with that exactly yeah and i agree i agree again there was is one scene in that film it's the scene where they're at breakfast discussing the pentagon papers and i thought hang on this just that they're both phoning it in at this point. I was really disappointed because you know what they both can do when they bring in their A game, as it were, and they were definitely not doing anything inspiring. And it had, you know, it had a great depth, that character. You know, she'd taken over from her father, who was a hugely influential figure in the newspaper industry, and she was being bossed around by a bunch of men on her board of directors. I thought she could have chewed the scenery on that and she just didn't seem to do much i remember your review when we did it yeah as it came out yeah, yeah. I, I think the thing with street and i remember when phil this may surprise you mate i'm a little bit older than you <laughs> so um <laughs> I, I i remember in the late 70s when i first saw which is on the tv show holocaust 
which is a mini-series about the concentration camp and following one Jewish family through through Germany. James Woods was on there as well. And it's an incredibly powerful piece, and she was brilliant in it. And then you had the double bill, essentially, over two years. You had the D-Hunter one year, Kramer versus Kramer the other year. A few years later, I remember going to watch Sophie's Choice without knowing a great deal about it, and, and then learning William Styron's book is based on real people. And that film just blew me away. Emotionally, that was just shattering when you've seen it. Have you you seen that? Yes, I have, yeah. It's just incredible. So, you know, and and I thought about it, where she's been underrated. I mean, I think Ironweed is a film that's forgotten today, but I think she's great in that. The River Wild, her performance, almost a cameo in Lemony Snicket's series of unfortunate events is great. And you've already mentioned Fantastic Mr. Fox. But it's just like picking, you know, the icing off a cake. Mamma mia. Yeah, and Phil's just destroyed <laughs> the whole story. thing. No, listen, oh. she, um, that I think, as to Phil's point, just shows her range still. She was the only only thing because that was any good in that yeah, thing. She, if, but, the whole exactly, film is she's, rubbish, but she's apart no, from when she's on it. But that's the point. She's yes. good in this bubbly musical. One of the performances I really like of hers is in the Manchurian Candidate remake, yes. um, which is kind of a summary thriller that's you know it's not expected to win any awards or anything like that but her performance as like a her relationship with her son was just so bizarre and interesting that she was just putting some her own stamp on like a a thriller that makes it just sort of brings it up a a level doesn't it and it's yeah good here's a trivia question for you then phil who played her role in the original manchurian candidate oh i don't know that that's a jeff question i'd ask jeff that question (laughs) angela lansbury is that oh, my goodness. Yeah. And completely evil in that. Turn 94 yesterday. Yeah? 94. Jesus, it's hope for you yet, Neil. I don't think, Phil, anybody could argue with that choice. She is definitely one of the cinema greats. But, and oh, this is the but. Controversial. The um, question is, in, for this age group, 20 years' time, 10, 15, 20 years' time, she'll be still working. And are there any roles left for her? I mean, she's obviously been, for the last 20 years, the Best Actress category might as well be called the Meryl Streep Award, (laughs) the number of times they either nominated or gave it to her. Yeah. Um, In fact, I think Kate Winslet actually said that on her acceptance speech that she was very pleased to win the Meryl Streep Award. But will she run out of roles in 20 years' time? Will she be acting at all? Will she be doing anything? What is left for her? Is her body of work... A body of work is probably good enough to win this thing outright. I don't think there is an actress at the moment I, I think who, whatever can, she's, who can live with her. Yeah, and I think whatever she turns her hand to, I mean, she's just on TV. But she's Big done Little it Lies. all. Yeah, but Big Little Lies season two, you know, she comes in with a new character mm-hmm. and knocks it out of the park again. But in 10, in, 15, in a, in a series that wasn't very good. She was good though, wasn't she? Yeah, she was she was good, but I didn't I didn't enjoy the series. But talking, I mean, to, to Neil's point, she's got the Greta Gerwig adaptation of Little Women coming up. I don't know if that's this year or next. Year. It's Boxing Day. She'd be nominated for actress again or supporting actress possibly again for that. I would imagine that Little Women's got uh, Saoirse Ronan in it, hasn't she? Uh, yeah. Ronan, yeah. Saoirse. yeah. Yeah, well, there we go. Most overrated actress of her generation. Oh, good um, grief. 
There's, there's a podcast for you. Shersha Ronan is an excellent actress. Yes. Now, she made that. It's just Jeff being Jeff. No, 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 no. Mary Queen of Scots was awful. What was that film she made where she was like coming out of school and jumped out the car and broke her arm? Mary Queen of Scots was awful. Does that awful automatically mean that the actress is awful? Yeah. Surely it was the script and everything else was wrong was, with what it. What was that film she threw? Lady Bird. Lady, Lady Bird. Bird. It's just dreadful. Just dreadful. Really good. Have you, seen, have you seen Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Phil? Have you seen Brooklyn? Brooklyn is very, very good. Yeah. And she's in Wes Anderson film, Grand Budapest Hotel. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay, let's move on. Neil. I chose Dame Emma Thompson. Um, is she I, a dame? I was going to go Kate Winslet. She's a dame. Uh, she is a dame. After all, that is bewitching in the idea of one's happiness entirely depending on one person it is not always possible we must accept edward will marry lucy and you and i will go home always resignation and acceptance always prudence and honor and duty eleanor where is your heart what do you know of my heart what do you know of anything but your own suffering for weeks, Marianne, I've had this pressing on me without being at liberty to speak of it to a single creature who's forced on me by the very person whose prior claims ruined all my hopes. I have endured her exaltation again and again whilst knowing myself to be divided from Edward forever. Believe me, Marianne, had I not been bound to silence, I could have produced proof enough of a broken heart, even for you. All right, her body of work is nothing like Meryl Streep. She kind of stopped for a bit just doing small 15 minute pieces like Judy Dench used to do and the possibility is and is a big if on this one the body of work she has done she was first female ever to be on the Cambridge Footlights and that doesn't sound much but it was in uh, the 1978 or something TV's West End she did Shakespeare with Kenneth Branner. She was the fool in King Lear. She won an Oscar for Howard's End. Never seen it. Were, uh, and she with, got nominated. And she was for acting she got with nominated. Nominated. Okay. And she was working with uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins and Vanessa Redgrave. She bit pieces. She done Shakespeare. So remains of the day. Then with, again with Anthony Hopkins. She won the Oscar for that, didn't she? And then in the name of the Father, that the same year, uh, Oscar nominated team with Daniel Day Lewis. And she did stuff exploring unrequited love. If she wasn't already doing that, sense and sensibility. She won Best Adapted Screenplay. She is talented. Now, the question is, is she coming back? And if she does, she's going to be as good as, I think, Dame Judi Dench. And that is a big, big if. She stopped, basically stopped when she became a mother. She's done small things like, I think it's Mark Commode said, that she can come on for 15 minutes and be brilliant. She's done Love Actually, Harry Potter, Nanny McPhee, Brideshead Revisited, Last Chance Harvey with Hoffman, uh, An Education, A Song of Lunch with Alan Rickman, an Emmy for that, Beautiful Creatures, Brave, Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks. Suddenly came into that one and did the whole film. Lots of nominations. Uh, Meryl Streep said she should really have got nominated for that one Uh, and then she goes and does legend of barney thompson with robert carlisle where she's a chain smoking uh, former 
Glaswegian prostitute. She's got range. She knows what she's doing. She's got such a body of work. She's talented. She is. When she was on, when she was on the footlights, Stephen Fry used to just refer to as Emma talented. (laughs) Um, If she comes back, then I think she can be outstanding because she has had such a build-up, and I think she has got it all. Incredibly talented woman, I think you're, you're right. Um, I was just thinking of, uh, what's that film, Stranger Than Fiction? Hmm. Oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, really good in that. I think Saving Mr. Banks is a is a fairly you know, fairly recent. She's absolutely brilliant in that. Yeah, well, when you look at her filmography... She could have been really, really irritating in that. Oh, easily. Because, boy, she's yes. just complaining the whole you're time. Right, but you line. really kind of gain to the why she's doing it, what she is about the father and everything, and trying to explain that. Yeah. And even a good. film that is terrible, but she's all right in it, which is saying something, is Junior. She, if she can still float in that, then she, she must be pretty special. But yeah, I think yeah. I agree with you. She's very, very talented. And like I say, going back to Cambridge Footlights, uh, I remember seeing her. First a, woman ever to be in it. I and she became the president. First thing I saw was the young ones. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah she's that episode she's worked with right, the, uh, right up. Yeah, the episode where they go on university, uh, university challenge. challenge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> daddy, yeah. daddy has a Porsche. Yes, <laughs> See, I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> playing against scumbag college. Yeah. So yeah, um, Footlights Cambridge. I think she's. I think she's a great choice. I mean, yeah. If you compare her to someone like uh, Mel Streep, then it's but, difficult. It's difficult, but but you're right. Her body of work is impressive, no doubt. I would. I'm going to be controversial. I don't think I would class her as like an actress generation, but I would say that she's definitely a national treasure in terms of, you know, she's, she's in the Potter film. Uh, but for me, when I look for a filmography, there's nothing in there that I would like term as like a masterpiece film. Well, that's and the kind she, of thing I'm saying, Phil, is that she got to a certain point where she was winning Oscars and she's won um, and such like, and then she suddenly she only won, stopped. What, she only won one Oscar for Spritz. She did. She's she not won any acting awards. No, she won for um, she, she won, won for Sense acting as well. No, she didn't. She was nominated for Oscar for acting. Yeah. She's nowhere near any of them, really. But what she has is the build-up to be able to be one of the best in the next 20 years. Great. But maybe not. Yeah, I, I like her. Uh, I think she's very talented. Um, for me, it's a personal thing. I just enjoy what she does. You know, I, I, I see her constantly in things and I think, oh, wow, I really like that. She's knocking it out of the park there. She's a solid, reliable actress. And I, I, I fully agree. I think it's what's to come. You know, it, when our kids get to be teenagers and she just wants to get out of the house, hopefully she'll come back and be really... Um, Really good, and she I've, I've loved everything she's done. So, yeah. uh, oh, can I just well, say the, chi- the children's actors? Have you, have you seen that? Yes, uh, that's, yeah. I, I uh, yeah. talk about that. Yeah, it's brilliant. One of my best films of last year. Yeah, because that's fairly recent, and she's just absolutely stunning. Absolutely in that. stunning yeah. in that. Her and um, Stanley Tucci both are fantastic. I think it's on a great the flip film. side, late, late Night, which was I think this year or last year, I haven't seen that yet. Dull. She's um, won two Oscars. She has not won any Oscars. Best. Best writer screenplay first based sense and sensibility. on She's material not for Sense and Sensibility, and she won she an hasn't. Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Howard's End. No, she was nominated. She didn't win. Yeah, she was nominated, and she won. 
I think you'll find she wasn't. Well, it's on set. It's and on there now. goes the evening. Well, yeah. well, the Two old married Oscars. couple have an argument. I'll have to check that out. But when I well, it's on. It's on IMDb. So I, I'm from IMDb, trust them. I got it down as. Um, she was nominated for Howard's End. Along Awards, won two Oscars. I'll double check And 112 that. nominations as well as another 60. Well, but that doesn't compare to the rest of the actresses in this. I'll double check, but that's fine. Okay. Right, okay. So let me give my comment on this, because <laughs> I was going to come in very sarky on this one. Yeah, uh, I'll bet you are. Because she didn't act in the 1970s, and for me that's a red line. Oh, <laughs> she, she was still at school but Neil made a, a very interesting she's got comment. a letter from her mum that says she's yeah. excused from the uh, 1970s yeah. the young ones the tall guy and Peter's friends are all pretty much the same of the footlights things that you, you've been talking about my opinion's just been changed by Neil the point Neil made was that yes she's getting there she is the Judy Dench of the next mm. few years. And I think that's right. I think as the older actresses fade out and she gets older, I think she's going to pick those roles up. And I think she's going to be batting it out of the park and picking up awards to match the one she's already got. I think... Um, <laughs> yeah. I've, been, I've been frantically looking at my phone and it does say she's won two. She has one too. I, I didn't okay. read it wrongly. Right. Thanks, but, okay. thanks I, Phil. I stand by well, you gonna tell it. It was me, one o'clock in the morning when I was doing it. You're going to tell me that I was actually reading something. It says two Oscars awards. You think, okay. oh, no, no, I'm right. For the first time in my life, I might have been wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, the joys of editing this. So I think Neil made a really good point that she is going to be the Judy Dench of the next few years. I think she's going to pick up on those roles. I do agree with Phil. I think the Children Act last year was one of the best films I saw. It was absolutely brilliant uh, masterclass in acting. Of them all, of all the people we're going to discuss, it's the only person I've ever met that's on this Have list. You? I met Emma Thompson. She's incredibly pretty. Her films don't do her justice in how pretty she is. Which may be a problem in doing the older stuff. She may have to yeah, wait 30 years no, no, before she looks old. She is a, a genuinely nice person. Yes. So um, I think I take your point. And, we'll, and I think from that point, we'll move on and to Graham and Jodie Foster. What did you do? I went downstairs outside. I crept up into the barn. I was so scared to look inside, but I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. They were screaming. They were slaughtering the spring lambs? And they were screaming. And you ran away? No. First I tried to free them. I... I opened the gate to their pen, but they wouldn't run. They just stood there, confused. They wouldn't run. But you could, and you did, didn't you? Yes. I took one lamb and I ran away as fast as I could. Where were you going, Clary? I don't know. I didn't have any food, any water, and it was very cold. Very cold. Well, I, I took a slightly different approach, obviously, to this. Uh, I, t- I thought... Here's a woman who's got a body of work behind her. 
and she's moving now into more into production and directing. But what she's left behind, I think, will be remembered as well as she will be remembered, you know, in future generations for what she has done already. I mean, she's had a huge long career. I mean, she started at the age of seven on TV and things like Gunsmoke and Bonanza and Ironside and the Partridge family. Oh, my dad told me about those shows. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Why, were you out drinking in your 20s when they were on? <laughs> and Kung Fu and Perry Mason and, and she actually... You're missing the best show of all. The Adam's Fam? No, Paper Moon. Paper, Paper Moon, Moon, 13 yeah. episodes. It was brilliant. 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 Uh, based on... Um, the Peter film, Bogdanovich's, Peter Bogdanovich's film, which starred Ryan, Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. Actual but, father and daughter. Yeah, mm. but the TV series is fantastic. Yeah, 1974, yeah. She did uh, the voice of Pugsley in The Addams Family on television as well. Did she? Not she, Pugsley. Yeah. Pugsley's the boy. Yeah, she did the voice because he's quite high. Not... She didn't play Wednesday. She she gave the voice that. of Pugsley, and I had to check it twice on Wikipedia. Wow, that is a yeah. fact. Yeah. She did. did you know her mum tried to sue Alan Parker? Really? Because her singing in Bugsy Malone was dubbed, it and was, her mum yeah. said that she could sing those songs and tried to sue Alan Parker, and they wouldn't back down. Well, so that's that's interesting because I thought, you know, I thought, wow, I didn't realise she could sing, hmm? and now. I realise she can sing. sing. She can sing. She was in, uh, she's done a few films where she sang, but uh, in that one, they put somebody else in to do it. So I think her her career is divided into three bits. And there's the child actor piece. There's then the break to go to college and, and didn't do too many films and traveled the world. And she got herself, her life together pretty much and then she did the adult filming and and then moving on into directing and forming her own production company and all of those sorts of things so i mean when she started off taxi driver obviously she was well, just amazing again you put it in perspective she'd done paper moon the tv series yeah. she'd done a whole series of disney films like napoleon and samantha yeah. and then suddenly she's doing taxi driver Really hardcore, serious stuff. Yeah, you know she's Although playing a child prostitute. Yes, yeah, and her, her older sister did double for her. Yeah, Bugsy Malone, as we said again, is great. And then I think she's intelligent enough, a woman, to realise that a lot of child stars don't make the leap to acting. And she was falling out of love with acting, actually, at the time. So she went to college. She went to Yale. She got a first, or what we would call a first in the UK, magna cum laude uh, in America, which she got in English literature. And then she goes back into filming. And she said at the time that actually going to college made her fall in love again with acting and see acting as a proper career. Straight out of, uh, of that as a... So when was Foxes? Was Foxes before 80, or after? 80. Yeah, yeah, she's so just that, gone to college. She's just gone to college. college. And that was, that's sort of the last of her. That's a wee bit silly. And I had a look at it again uh, as I was doing the research for this. And I thought, oh, that Music's hasn't... Good, Giorgio Moroder. Yeah, but, but it hasn't aged well. As a film, the, the um, she comes back eighty eight, The Accused, then obviously Silence of the Lambs, and then she does this odd thing, Summersby, 
which I actually liked, Richard Gere, yeah. Yeah, and it was weird and different. And I, I remember it was one of those where I sat down with my wife and she said, oh, this is quite a romantic thing. And then it starts and you think, hang on a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? And it just pulls you in. I thought that was really good. Then she had a, a really bad spot in her in her career where she had to act with somebody I'll just hang on I just got to use his name here Mill Gib Gabson Mel Mel Gibbison Melly Gibbison She's a good friend of Mel Yes I know um, and James Garner and where she replaced Meg Ryan and then she did a really interesting film called Nell where Brilliant she, film where Liam she, Neeson as well Yes he plays a, an autistic child that's raised where by she a invented str- a whole language Yes a strange uh, woman, yeah, very, very strange film. And and then she made uh, a film with Ro- Robert Zemeckis, Contact, in 97, which is one of my favourite uh, films. I love I, that film. Excellent. I really yeah, love that I put, film. I put that down on my sort of, yeah. like, top uh, of her films. Why do you like it, Phil? I, I just love it. It's, uh, I mean... Proper sci-fi. Films like Arrival and it is not as good as Contact in my mind. No. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Yeah, well... I'll leave it at that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Contact is from a uh, Carl Sagan book, so you can't say much better, and directed by Robert Zemeckis. And, and then she did Anna and the King, which was uh, terrible. It's okay. No, it's not terrible. Yeah, it's okay. it was banned in Thailand. Well, that's a good thing, then, isn't it, really? <laughs> they, they, they were they probably did not... persecuting Muslims at the oh, time. Oh, they didn't like it. Uh, and then she she got into a sort of a later phase, sort of in in where she did a few films like Panic Room and Flight Palan and and Hotel Artemis, where she's very much a sort of a, uh, again, a very a ho- smart, intelligent I, woman. I got Hotel Artemis down because I think her performance in that is really good. You've missed out the um, film she made for that South African chap, uh, Carnage Elysium. Oh, no. I no, like There is no film called Elysium. Yeah, it's quite a good No, film. no, it's crap. Uh, Mr. Foster, you were saying there? Elysium's not a good film. Shockingly bad. <laughs> what, what was bizarre in watching that film is they, they're showing these ghetto areas in America. Matt Damon. And they were clearly filmed in South Africa because that's South Africa now. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I thought it was all right. I thought she was good. She's good. And she she changed uh, from being a victim like she was in things like uh, The Accused and to some extent Summersby. She becomes very powerful women she portrays in The Panic Room. She's quite powerful. In Flight Plan, she's... Uh, Do you say she's powerful in The Panic Room? I wouldn't. I think oh, they, that's toughened, they toughened her up for, in, in, for the, the original Panic Room. Uh, was Nicole Kidman was going to play that role uh, and she was going to play it as sort of silly and frivolous and she went, no, I'm not playing that. She said, I want to be harder and tougher and that sort of thing. And uh, and that's why she's able to set half the, the, the gang of criminals that invade her home. She sets them on fire and those sorts of things. So she's quite tough in that. And in Flight Plan, she's a, an aero engineer. Well, and in, Which I thought had a good twist on it. Did yeah. you see that one, Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah good, good trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I love the the opening scene in Panic Room is fantastic, where the camera goes right through the window, through the glass, and without breaking it. Very clever. Okay, Mr. Foster, you've been quiet. What are your thoughts on on Jodie Foster? Um, so with a lot of things, I think that sometimes the age that you are when you watch them actually sort of makes you have a bit more connection with certain things. So it's funny actually when I heard you talking about Maverick. Uh, 
happened. So the very first film I ever saw or ever recorded seeing Jodie Foster in was Maverick. So I was 13 when that came out and I went to the cinema. Oh, it's good to, to watch that film. So I didn't know who Jodie Foster or James Garner or Mel Gibson were because I was 13 and I hadn't seen you know, any James Garner films. At that I'm point. so jealous. <laughs> so I wish I never um, knew who Mel Gibson was. That would, that's um, innocence. Yeah. And I'm pretty confident I wouldn't have seen a lethal weapon film at that age either. And, um, whilst I recall, I recall sort of being a bit bemused by the film and not really understanding like what the point was in it. I thought that she was sort of interesting. And then, um, uh, in my, my teens, I got into Scorsese and uh, De Niro films and obviously she was in Taxi Driver and that was just phenomenal. And the other one uh, with her is, I think I've said before, my brother is hugely into Asian films and was massive um, John Woo fan and I watched lots of John Woo films with him. And when she did Anna and the King and Charion Fat was in it, we were like really excited to go and watch this period drama because Charlie and Fat was in a, a, an American film. So I've got a connection with her just from a personal level of like times when I watched these films. But to the sort of thing that I've said before is that you could say, you can look at The Accused and Silence of the Lambs and just say they are classic films that will stand the test of time. And all the other films that Graham mentioned as well, um, I've, I think now and Summersby are really good and I really like Panic Room as well. So um, I don't think that Contact's better than Arrival, but I do like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and, and the thing I do, I, I just like her range and depth, you know, Silence the Alarm. Uh, and as a director. The There's Accused. Not, of, yeah, you know, oh, films yes. like Little Man Tate. We oh, yes. On, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is really good. Yeah. And, and she always seems to play intelligent roles. You know, Contact, she's an astrophysicist. Panic Room, you know, she's you know, a strong woman. Flight pan, Plan, she's an aviation engineer. Elysium, which is a shockingly bad film. She's the defense secretary, you know. And a lot, most of her women are conflicted and troubled, you know. So Nell, obviously, but The Accused and Summersby, you know, are... Everything I see her in, I like. And, and I like, she's quite political. She's very pro-gun control and gets into a lot of trouble for that. And she had some weird stuff in her life. Do, do you guys know about the fact that she was stalked by the guy who shot Ronald Reagan? Yes. Yeah, John yeah. Ridley from watching Taxi Driver. Wasn't yeah, we it? should say that. Yeah. She, she's the only person on our list to uh, have somebody try and kill President Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually, to, to range, actually, I had this in my notes that I should have said this earlier. She did, didn't she film Taxi Driver and Bugsy Malone at the same year or like yes, within 18 months yes. of each other? Well, that's just phenomenal, isn't it? For, <laughs> it's but, a bit but, of a head shift yeah. when you're coming on set. Yeah. But there's another one as well, a film that get, gets lost in all all of that, you know, Bugsy Malone and Taxi Driver Classics. But there's another film which is really good called The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. I saw that in her list of things. And, and I thought, it's a stunning little sort of movie yeah. with Martin Sheen playing um, a paedophile in yeah. the film. It's quite disturbing. And again, there's a nude scene in it where her sister steps in for her. Yeah. It's a very disturbing film, but a really good and atmospheric little Canadian movie. Yeah, I looked at that and I looked at it on Rotten Tomatoes and it's got huge scores. It's, great. it's a great film, yeah. but it's little seen today. Never but heard I think of it. its subject matter is such that it's not one yeah. of those that would be out there. 
Have yeah. you seen it? Frank? No, I haven't, but it's, I'm interested now. It yeah, like no, no, it's, uh, I've got a copy on DVD somewhere. <laughs> that other spinny lasery thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, physical uh, uh, thing. Neil, you're quiet on this. What are your thoughts on Jodie Foster? I think it's the same sort of thing as um, Emma Thompson, in, but in a slightly different way. But, but better. And <sighs> she's obviously um, highly intelligent. She can pick up and do anything she really wants. She can yeah. stop start again she can and and everything she in is extremely good yeah, she has huge chunks of time where she doesn't do anything she, you know, she's bringing bringing up her kids as well go, oh, yeah well yeah where's she and been <laughs> exactly and and obviously she went to yale and the thompson goes to and the similar things i must admit in um <laughs> In her latest film, Hotel Artemis, Artemis, where she she was playing well above her age. She was playing well above her age. She did not look very well in that, and she played it brilliantly. I loved her shuffling gait in that. Yeah, no, no, it was a great film. Have you seen that one, Phil? No, I haven't, no. Uh, Well well worth a look at. Definitely interested, yeah. Okay, that was Jodie Foster, who I think we all agree should be on the list and will be well-remembered. So my turn on this one. And I've picked Julianne Moore, who was born in 1960. Does the female form make you uncomfortable, Mr. Lebowski? Uh, is that what this is a picture of? In a sense, yes. My art has been commended as being strongly vaginal, which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. Oh, yeah? Yes, they don't like hearing it and find it difficult to say, whereas without batting an eye, a man will refer to his dick or his rod or his Johnson. Johnson? All right, Mr. Lebowski. Let's get down to cases. My father told me he agreed to let you have the rod, but as it was a gift from me to my late mother, it was not his to give. Now, your face. As for this kidnapping... Huh? Yes, I know all about it, and I know that you acted as courier. Let me tell you something. The whole thing stinks to high heaven. Yeah... Right, but but let me explain something about the rug. Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love. Coitus. Do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? Now, to my mind, Julianne Moore is a reflection of actresses of the past like Bette Davis, who were jobbing actresses who turned out the occasional brilliant role along with a whole load of films that would be seen as filler. I think when Julianne Moore's on top form, she really is on top form. Obviously, I'm going to pick her because on her father's side, she's Welsh. Oh, for crying out loud. Um, She didn't act in the 1970s, which is a black mark against her, like Emma Thompson. The really worrying thing, <laughs> the really worrying... Jeff, what you, is in your head you when you twat. come up with these rules and sort of <laughs> red lines and backstops? So, yeah. The really worrying thing about this when I researched Julianne Moore is Julianne Moore's not her real name. She had to change her original name. And I had to read it twice what her original name was. <laughs> it was Yes, it was the current name of my ex-wife. <laughs> so I feel you're going to now cut out the bit where I... Um, and we move on. So, <laughs> so Julianne Moore graduated in 1983 and went straight into TV soaps and some really bad TV movies. And in fact, even her early film career didn't give no. much to say about 
how good she was going to be, things like Tales from the Dark Side, Hand That Rocks the Cradle. And it wasn't until 1993 Shortcuts, directed by Robert Altman, that she really stood out. It's a great performance, but where she stood out, there's a sequence in that film where she's arguing with her partner, and they're all based on Carver's short stories, the whole thing of Shortcuts. She's naked from the waist down. You remember that? I yeah. do remember Yeah, that. it's a striking image to, yeah. Start, yeah. to start off with. The whole thing with that sequence is it is so striking, it stays in the mind. And I think the real strength of Julianne Moore, and this is going back to the Bette Davis days, she knows when to work with great directors. She worked with Altman in Short Cuts and Cookie's Fortune. She worked with Steven Spielberg in The Lost World. Now, not one of his greatest films, but she <laughs> made a long a good, run. No, but she made a, a, you know a real impression on that film. Paul Thomas Anderson in Boogie Nights. You know, she didn't want to do that script to start She thought it was with. a porn, didn't she? Yeah, she thought it was porn. I mean... <laughs> Understandable. Funny, Understandable. Yeah, yeah um, Burt Reynolds turned it down as well to start off with. Coen Brothers, Big Lebowski. And now she alternates between blockbusters and art movies. I think it was a wise choice of her to take over the role of Clarice Starling in Hannibal. But you look at these films, The Hours, Children and Men, A Single Man, The Kids Are All Right, Still Alice, for which she won the Oscar... Even Kingsman, The Golden Circle, for which her character of Poppy was just wonderful. And I think, you know, she's got stuff to come. Woman in the Windows coming out next year. I think she's a hardworking actress. She knows how to play the game. I think she will be remembered in years to come. So I'm going to hand straight over to Mr. Foster for his view. So I really like Julianne Moore. And I actually, she's done, of all these four actresses we've talked about, she's done my favourite films out of any of them. And what you said about she's either really, really good or she does some filler, I think is probably one of the most sort of cogent things I've ever heard you say, Jeff, because actually <laughs> that, that, really, that really hits the nail on the head. I think you, I think that's really true because when you can, there's lots of really, really great films in there and there's lots of sort of stuff that you wouldn't watch again sort of thing. But when I really fell in love with her it was sort of 98, 99, she did... The Big Lebowski, The End of the Affair with Ray Fiennes and Magnolia. And I love all three of those films. I think they're phenomenal films. Um, and Magnolia is probably one of my all-time favourite films. Uh, and the only other one you didn't mention, because it's really, really good, great co-star, Crazy Stupid Love with Ryan Gosling. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel we'll be talking about that one again soon, Phil. <laughs> I think that Julianne Moore's a great pick. I think she's a really, really good actress. Yeah, absolutely agreeing with everybody. Really, she is she is exceptional. I was just reading through the list of things that she's been in, and yeah, fantastic. Uh, I haven't uh, got much to add, really. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say is I agree with Jeff. She's a hard-working actress. You mm. know, she just gets down and does the work and puts in the performances and just seems very professional in everything. And and when she does the press junkets and things like that, which must be an absolute pain for people she's always comes across as charming and affable and and a really nice person it always talks about the role and the director and what she's doing and why the way she approached things the sort of stuff that movie nerds want to hear and she did some great stuff on the big lebowski and what she was doing and, and her, talking about how the coen brothers direct and that sort of thing really interesting stuff i love her 
I and absolutely love her. I didn't know this, but looking through it, and and Jeff's right. Yeah, it's, it's Kingsman, and then she does a whole load of um, smaller stuff uh, that's interesting to her, but made a lot of money. Yeah, I completely agree. I've I've been a fan of her since Shortcuts in '93. Uh, yeah, she's made some great choices. She's got a great screen presence. She might have my favourite screen presence out of the, the actresses we've mentioned so far. She just has something about her on screen that is just. I don't know. She's just got whatever it is. She's got it. And uh, yeah, she's made great choices, been in good films. For some reason, I always think of films that aren't so great. Assassins? Yeah. No, That's I not see her fault. Coming from. No, That's no. not her fault at all. But, but, but you think, she's fine in it. Though. But you know, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, I know a lot of people don't like that film. I love that movie. I like that but, film. But I think she's brilliant in it. Yeah. yeah. She plays that, the way, the quirkiness that she brings to that character. Is I amazing. think you're right. I think if you look at her hit rate, it's pretty damn high. Mm. Yeah, of of films that she's just always excelled in. So yeah, I, I completely agree with everyone. I can't say much more than that, really. Yeah. Excellent. Let's move on to actors. Phil, back to you, and Robert De Niro. No matter how big I get, no matter who I fight, no matter what I do, I ain't never gonna fight Joe Lewis. I ain't never gonna get a chance to fight the best there is. And you know something? I'm better than him. No matter how big a guy might be, Nicky would take him on. You beat Nicky with fists, he comes back with a bat. You beat him with a knife, he comes back with a gun. And if you beat him with a gun, you better kill him. Because he'll keep coming back and back until one of you is dead. Guy told me one time, don't let yourself get attached to anything you are not willing to walk out on in 30 seconds flat if you feel the heat around a corner. I thought you'd be mad. Man, I'm not mad. I'm proud of you. You took your first pace like a man. And you learn the two greatest things in life. Well, look at me. Never ride on your friends. And always keep your mouth shut. All the animals come out at night. Whores, skunk pussies, buggers, queens, fairies, dopers, junkies. Sick, venal. Someday a real rain will come and wash all the scum off the streets. Talking to me? Well, then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Again, I've picked the easy option, but for me, De Niro is the greatest screen actor of all time. I know that there's obviously lots of people who would like disagree and lots of other actors and stuff, but I just look at you look at his back catalogue and I just think that he's just a legend. So just talking about the nine Scorsese films that he's made is probably enough. But there's still like more on over and above that. So in terms of the Scorsese films, there's Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, New York, New York, Raging Bull, which he won the Oscar for, King of Comedy, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Casino, and The Irishman, which is out this next sort of month or so. Just all of those films are just phenomenal in their own way with just powerhouse performances from him. But when you go and look at the other stuff, so Godfather Part 2, Deer Hunter, Once Upon a Time in America, The Mission, The Untouchables, Midnight Run, Awakenings, Heat, which is probably one of my favorite films ever, and Copland. And all of those were kind of in about a 30-year range, sort of between 70 and 2000. Yeah. The 2000, 2010 sort of area was 
I guess, a bit of a stumble. He sort of diversified out into comedies, some of which worked. So the original Meet the Parents, and I can't remember the name of the Billy Crystal one, where he's, he's analysed this. Analyse um, this and analyse that. Yeah. Yeah, so I like to analyse this. I like Meet the Parents, and then they make sequels, and it kind of pushes it a bit too far. And he did a lot of horror films. The one that I thought stood out for me was, I think it was called Red Lights. I think it yeah. was, where he was uh, like a medium, or was he? I, I thought that was okay, but quite a lot of that stuff, he did a lot of the comedies and horrors weren't great. But he was just finding his way, really, I felt, into you know a new phase of his career. And then David O. Russell came along and saved him a little bit, I thought, because he was in Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle and Joy. I didn't particularly like Joy, but it was probably one of his better performances in, in the sort of 2000 sort of period. He's directed as well. So he did A Bronx Tale, which I think is a really underrated film. I really mm-hmm. like that. Great film. And The Good Shepherd, which I think is kind of the flip side story to The Irishman. Yeah, um, we we talked about that a bit before, but it's a a really driven man who thinks he's doing the right thing by his family, but his drive to excel in his chosen career, whether that be the CIA or the mob, pushes him away and isolates him from his family. And I I think that's that was a really good film. And you know what? I, I'm so happy to have seen Joker and The Irishman this year already to see him back to his best. Just, I just think he's a phenomenal presence, and I and I think the only thing you could probably level against him is perhaps his range. I think the one of the weakest things he in his screen performances is sort of romantic relationships. I don't think he's very good at those in films because I think he's he's very very good at showing a tightly wound sort of obsessive like driven person. But he has done some really good comedy, Midnight Express being one of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, Midnight Run, sorry. That's okay, Midnight, Midnight Express, Express is less of a comedy. comedy. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit less, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, he he's my all-time favourite actor. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think I kind of came across these films as a teenager. They've just been an indelible mark on my sort of experience of films. And I think that the likes of Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, are just some of the best films of all time. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's fair. I mean, I was very fortunate and my interest in cinema coincided with his rise. So I was there when Taxi Driver started. I've just listed down a whole host of films, you know, apart from the obvious, but Bang the Drum Slowly, 73 film, which is amazing. The Last Tycoon based on F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel. New York, New York, which is a really interesting experience for me. I saw it once in an empty cinema and it died on its ass. And then I saw it in a film festival, in a packed cinema, and it really worked. And I got everything that was going on. The comedy he was trying to do really worked. Stanley and Irish, Stardust, Everybody's Fine, I think are all great films. I think the one failing with De Niro, and I hate to say it because he is my favourite actor of all time, so uh, I'm at a bit of a disadvantage here, but is a film called Bogart Slept Here, which he was going to make straight after Taxi Driver, Neil Simon comedy. And they canned the production because he wasn't funny. My view is that experience resonated with him to the point that he's making these crap comedies now. 
You know, he's just trying to make up for it all the time. Stardust wasn't bad. No, Stardust was, and was, in it, was good. He in it is yeah. hilarious. Definitely. But I think yeah. Phil but made... that that partly because he plays the gangster, but actually yeah. behind the scenes he very obviously isn't. But, but Phil made a really good point that he does these films, these comedies that work, and then he's immediately drawn to the sequels, and they just don't work. There were three of those Meet the Parents films on there. There was Meet yeah. the Fockers and The Little Fockers. And I remember watching that last one, and there's a scene with him and Harvey Keitel arguing over building a swimming pool, and you're thinking, I'd rather watch Harvey Keitel in those bloody adverts on TV where he's ripping off Pulp Fiction <laughs> than watch this. It was that bad. I'm just so impressed, Jeff, that you actually watched it, because I'd rather stab my eye out with something it's De Niro. sharp. No, no, I, I, I always give De Niro the benefit of the bad, but... Again, I was there when he started, you know, those range of things in the 70s, those few performances he did in the 80s, he's very selective, you know, films like Angel Heart and The Untouchables, oh. were, they were almost essentially cameo films. Angel Heart is terrifying in that. Yeah. And, um, Louis Seifer. Louis Seifer, very subtle, yeah. You yeah. never guess who that is. Yeah. Um, but uh, another film he was great in is Once Upon a Time in America, Sergio yeah. Leone. And uh, that has, in my opinion, one of the best aging makeup performances I've ever seen. If you look at old, which is interesting with the Irishman now, but yes. if you look at yeah. old Robert De Niro in uh, Once Upon a Time in America, I think it was at the time when he was really into his method and he piled on the weight. But playing himself 30, 40 years later in that film is incredible if you watch it. It's about four hours long, yeah. so you've got a long way to go until you get to him as old. The three of these I've watched The Irishman. I haven't seen it I haven't yet, seen it, but, no. no. Yeah. Ah, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. it's well, absolutely. I mentioned um, Once Upon a Time in America in my review of The Irishman because, because so my understanding is that um, The Irishman was a bit of a passion project for De Niro. He uh, brought the book to Scorsese and that sort of the fact that he'd done Once Upon a Time in America makes me kind of feel that that story idea, that sort of thing resonates with him because he made The Good Shepherd. That was another one of his passion projects that he directed himself. So he clearly is interested in that theme of you know somebody like growing up yeah. through these events and what the impact does that have on their life their family life their friends lives oh, that's cool. and, I know that. you know and i see that in a bronx tale which he also directed where it's about two father figures to this boy and i feel that that crops up quite a lot in his work as well and also if it wasn't for de niro dicaprio wouldn't be where he is today Yes, because he picked him out of a 300-strong casting. For a boy's life. For a boy's life, yeah. And recommended him and on yeah. to Scorsese. One of the films, has anybody mentioned Heat? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Sorry, Phil, you did mention it, yeah. I love that film. That's a great film. I love that film. That You know, it's just great. Nobody mentions Frankenstein. But I love that. I thought that was really good. I like Frankenstein. It got slated, I think, but I like yeah. it. I think it's a different, yeah, no, different take. I, I think his take on it, Branagh's take on it, the whole, yeah, I'm with you. The, the Grand Guignol sort of look and feel to that film is incredible. I'm with you. You could almost do a marathon of his work in sort of between 2000 and 2015, and there's probably 20 films in there, the majority of which you wouldn't have seen because he churned out so much stuff that's kind of like, mediocre so for, in terms of all the other things that we've just been talking about which is a bit disappointing but i think it's yeah. you know oh. just something that will happen when you've got a career that spans that length of time and we haven't mentioned cape fear 
Oh, Cape Fear, yes. Blimey. How can we not mention Cape Fear? You're right. Yeah. That was that blew me away in ninety two. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Neil. Well, like um yeah, and like Meryl Streep before, you start off Phil with probably the one that's gonna win this easily. Yeah. I can't see anybody beating uh, no. De Niro. We're all chasing second again. It's a slam dunk, isn't it? He is just so good. A guaranteed classic. Yeah. Neil. Gary Ullman. I would observe that there has never been a period in all these long centuries of which we boast when an absolute guarantee against invasion could have been given to our people. But I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing... It's neglected, and the best arrangements are made as they are being made. We shall prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary, for years, if necessary, alone. Gary Oldman. Well, he's the complete opposite of Emma Thompson, really. Went to uh, a school in Deptford. Uh, worked on assembly lines, porter and an abattoir. Radra rejected him twice. Anyway, he went to stage. So Alex Cox found him after about five years of stage stuff when he was doing... Managed to do get as far as doing Hamlet anyway and made him Sid Vicious in Sid and Nancy. And he was good in that even though the film was dreadful. Even John Lydon said that uh, even though he thought the film was awful, that uh, he thought, yeah, that, that, that bloke Gary Oldman's pretty good. <laughs> anyway, so prick up your ears. He won the BAFTA. Then he started doing Hamlet. He played a football hooligan in the firm. It's just a build-up is so slow. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. The Tom Stoppard play Great with film. Tim yeah, Rock. Great uh, film. As a, com- a very good comedy. Turned down Edward Scissor's scissor hands. Um, oh, did he know? I didn't know that. Moved to the States with Tim Roth, Colin Firth, Daniel Day-Lewis. Became the Brit pack, apparently. Oldman was the leader. I think he's just the the loudest. Played Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK, Dracula in Francis Ford Coppola's version. Basically known for his villains, but he, he doesn't... Done, he got a bit stuck in his villains, did, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Uh, True Romance, Fifth Elements, uh, Lost yeah. in Space, Leon, Air Force One, Pontius Pilate. He's quite opinionated. If he really doesn't like it, I don't think he holds back which I think is a, a problem because after he'd done, he was in The Contender. Uh, I think there was some controversy around it and anyway, he was he didn't work for two years, so he had to start again. And it was only Harry Potter where he played a werewolf. He managed to get back into it and that started a whole thing again. It was largely a lot uh, overlooked for things. And then finally gets Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy, um, where he just basically studied Alec Guinness for f- several weeks. Well, if you're going to study an actor, yes. Guinness is probably a yeah. good one to study, yeah. And uh, gained £15. And, and mobster in Lawless, ruthless CEO and paranoia. He is rather, as I say, outspoken. And he was reduced again to smaller films before he got 
Darkest Hour. But this is another one like Emma Thompson where if he really wants to, he could be superb. He's coming into um, Netflix now. He's the evil AI in Tao and uh, is in Laundromat, which I think has just come on to Netflix with uh, Meryl Streep. But he is remarkably hardworking. We're battling De Niro. <laughs> no, no, and, and, and we're battling fine. for and, second and, place. And, and for many years, he was known as the British De Niro. Hmm, that's uh, interesting. I didn't Mr. know that. Stubbs, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, uh, he was one of those the most chameleon type actors I've ever seen for just disappearing into a role. And he had the very famous quote where somebody asked him if he could do a German accent, and he said, "Which region?" <laughs> he had no idea. I think that sums up. Did he? He would have. He would have, he would have studied yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah. he was serious. He, yeah. If he was going to do a role, he would go all out on it. And uh, of course, it's um, the working class background. You work yeah. hard, and you work hard, and you carry on working. And hard he directed as well, it. of course, the very yeah. grim Nil by Mouth, which oh, is God, definitely yeah. not, definitely not a comedy. Shit, yeah. A funny story about oh, that, that actually, one. nil by mouth. In Cheltenham, they used to have an art movie every Thursday night. Phil, I, th- I remember you telling me a story about this so down down where you are. They used to have a, a director's night, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's exactly, yeah, the same thing. So they had this nil by mouth. And you're going to have to bleep some of this, Graham. I-, I wanted to see this film. So I needed to watch it. And it's packed. And it's Cheltenham packed, meaning middle-aged to old-age people watching it. And the most used word in there, this is where you've got to bleep it, is the word all through the film. And nobody moved. There was no blink. Nobody left the cinema. And, you know, it's a real appreciation In context, I tell you, in context, words like that, powerful Look, as I they are. I watched Gangster Number 1, but it becomes <laughs> um, but it, 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 yeah, it's it's an astonishing film. It's the only film he's ever directed. He's never yes, directed. He's ne- yeah, he's never done one since. It was, it was really well received. But um, it's based on his youth. Yeah, like when you listed his bad guy roles, it's actually quite scary how long that list is. It's, yes, it's huge. It's too long. And as and Jeff pointed he- out, a lot of them are very over the top performances, like um, yeah. Leon. Which I love that in performance. Space. The greatest delivery of the line, everyone in yeah. a film ever. <laughs> he makes that word last about 20 seconds. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! Of course, Batman begins and, uh, you know, all, all that, all that, all those films that no Fifth Element of. was another one where he's just over the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a long list but of that, bad But the whole thing, but yeah, the fifth element is over the top. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Bruce, Bruce Willis is over the top. Yeah. And, and, and so I is know, the, I know the film's that, over the top. Yeah. yeah I, I know that he's channeling his inner Ross Perot in that film. But. <laughs> but I agree. I, I do love uh, Gary Oldman as an actor and I agree with you. He should be honoured as, and he will be as. There is something a, a about legend. him, isn't there? Yeah. yeah There's okay. an energy. But, yeah. Before I say my bit, Mr. Foster. I love Gary Oldman. I think he's really great. But I, again, I kind of would put him in the, the national uh, treasure sort of section again because I can't think of a film that I really love of his that he's like the lead in. So I was looking at his films. I, I really like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I like the Batman films, but he's secondary. I love Leon and I do love that line. But again, he's a bad guy, I guess. True Romance, he's got a tiny scene in. In JFK, he's got, well, not a cameo, but 
a bit part in. I didn't like Darkest Hour either. I, I thought Darkest Hour was one of those films where it purposefully wanting awards rather than being a good film that gets awards. And I, I like him in everything I see him in, but I can't... What's the one film of his that you'd say, that's the Stone Cold classic, that, watch that film, Phil, that will change your mind, that's the one that he'll be remembered for for like the next 50 years. That's the film that I can't place. Not Dracula then? I mean, I, I didn't like Dracula. I think that Keanu Reeves is quite wooden in it and he's quite integral to the, the film's success. I was talking about this the other day. I said it's uh, Keanu Reeves almost kills that film single-handedly with the worst performance he's ever done. So, yeah. But Gary Oldman yeah. is, is good in it. I mean, I, and, I, and I agree with that because I, I think you know, Keanu Reeves isn't a bad actor. Like, there's you know, there's a there's a lazy sort of thing where you go, oh, he's just an action hero, but he's a good actor. But you know, what he does in that film is not great. It's bizarre. I don't know how that got past anybody to do with the production but yeah the, the, it was story. a trouble production yeah. i mean um Ullman was not easy to work with hopkins wasn't easy Coppola to work with wasn't easy to work with on that one either but no, it was a so it was yeah. keanu just went on read his lines and went off so i think that's 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 part of it graham well i i, I actually love him i think he's really really good i i also think he's fun as well even in his sort of villain parts he's just brings another dimension of sort of Oh, this guy's completely psychotic, you know. But he's eminently watchable. You know, you would never want to meet the 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 guy in Leon, but you could watch him on the screen, yes. and he's yes. entertaining. Definitely, yeah. So he does tend to abstract away, you know, from reality and give you a. I wouldn't say a pantomime villain, but he certainly he embodies all his villain characters with some sort of weirdness that sort of justifies why they're so crazy. So yeah, I enjoy his his work, and I thought he was great in Darkest Hour. Some parts of it I could not stand. The scene in the underground, I yeah. thought was just pasted in I there. I think in that one, the film just some some of it just sort of went wrong, didn't yeah. it? I mean, the underground's the the, the, the worst, bit. yeah. Um, but well, he's great. He's fantastic. great. He's great. He inhabits it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. And the way the, he the, was his Churchill, yeah, his, it his was, private may not life. look just like him, but he yeah. was Churchill. And and the and the scenes with his wife and and them in the bedroom and him and the meeting bath. the king and all of that was perfect. And in the bath, yeah, all of that stuff was great. I had a lot of issues with the rest of the film. I thought he was superb. Go and, on then, Jeff. I mean, Oldman is one of my favourite British actors. Uh, it, it started interestingly for me because I was living in Plymouth when he filmed Remembrance, which is his first film. Yeah. And I remember watching that on Channel 4, and it's a film that seems to be lost these days, which he's really good in. But, you know, looking at the list, I mean, Prick Up Your Ears, Criminal Law, the one, I think, where he does stand out, and Phil, this picks up on your point, is State of Grace, where he plays... Sean Penn's psychotic friend is just amazing. I think Dracula's good. I think, yes, he lost it with, as you've already said, the villain roles when he started doing the Lost in Space stuff. It's just really silly. I just wonder with him, had he gone to America earlier, you know, when he was doing the stuff like Track 29 for uh, people like Nicholas Rogue, had, had he not done those art movies, he'd made an initial impact, had gone to the States... Where would we be now with him? But I do think he's one of the best British actors of of his generation, without a doubt. I think, and the other thing I think he is his own worst enemy. 
He does have a bit of a temper. He's he's a bit mouthy. He can you know have a I, go. I like him for that. <laughs> he can have a go at the directors. It does not endear yourself to other people in the film industry, and you don't get asked back, do you? And it's not the fact that you'll screw one director. It's directors talk to each other, you know, and they'll say, "Hey, what was Oldman like to work with? Oh, he was a bloody nightmare." And then you've lost those ten other gigs. He was good in Hunter Killer with Gerard. And there you go. Okay, and on that point, <laughs> over to you, Graham. <laughs> I'm actually going for Tom Hanks. On the day of my judgment, when I stand before God, and he asks me, why did I, did I kill one of his true miracles? What am I going to say? That it was my job. Uh, this is Houston. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You are a toy! You weren't the real Buzz Lightyear. You're, a, uh, you're an action figure. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Farewell. Oh, yeah, well, good riddance, you loony. It's a bit easy, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten. It, Tom Sorry, Hanks. I'd forgotten a, you a, had top of Tom Hanks. He's a bit of an idiot. Okay, yeah. we're all going for third place. Right, okay. Well, um, I am. Uh, no, maybe uh, no, 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 I think uh, Mr. Foster's got this summed up. Tom Hanks's career started with a horror film. I cannot believe that. In 1980 with He Knows You're Alone, which is a horror film. Brilliant but, film. He got decapitated. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Great film. You watch it, film. I haven't seen that one. Oh, no. good. Good. Right, so that, having that, got that out of the way, I th- I've just loved everything he's done. You know, he's just one of those actors you think, oh, Tom Hanks is in it, right, I'll just watch that. Yeah. You know, well, there's, it's Bonfire not... Bonfire of the Vanities. The Bonfire of the Vanities being the big exception. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Look, like a laser beam he came in on that one, <laughs> didn't he? Splash, he was in, he started really with Splash, although I didn't notice him that much. That might have been because I couldn't <laughs> take my eye off Daryl Hannah at the time. Yeah. Those were his early films. And, and then he's, he sort of gets established as a star with things like Big and The Burbs and Turner and Hooch. There was a point in his career where he could have disappeared off into comedy and never got the serious roles. But then things came up, like, and he did romantic comedies, Sleepless in Seattle and things like that. But Forrest Gump, I think, was the one that saved him, you know, um, in 94. And then, oh, my favourite, Apollo 13 in 95, and then Saving Private Ryan in 98, and The Masterpiece, which is The Green Mile in uh, in 99. Mm. And then he reinvented himself a bit in the in the in the 21st century with things like Cast Away, which I'm not a great fan of. I like it, but I think it's got a couple of problems. This reinvention, I've got to challenge you on that because I don't think he reinvents himself. I just think he grounds himself in this Maybe that's a better better phrase. No, I'd probably agree with you on that. I can't believe I said that, Jeff. Um, And The Road to Perdition uh, in 2002, I, I loved. And Cloud Atlas, which we've talked about before, and Saving Mr. Banks, and Sully, and Captain Phillips. You know, he's probably the worst captain ever. You know, he gets... He's, <laughs> yeah, he'd never be on a, <laughs> a, a boat or an aeroplane yeah, with him at all. Actually, that's a good point. 
he's won a couple of Academy Awards for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, and he was nominated for Big and Saving Private Ryan. How could I forget Saving Private Ryan? He's wonderful and Castaway. Yeah, I just think he's he's got incredible acting ability. He performs incredible roles. He's been in incredible movies. You know, he's just a great, great actor, and he's he's. You know what he is? He's dependable. You know, mm. you think it's a Tom Hanks movie. I'm probably going to enjoy this, yeah. except for Bonfire of the Vanities, but never mind. You know, he's really good in everything he sets himself up. Ultra reliable, isn't Ultra he? reliable. And well, on that subject, let me tell you a little story. And this isn't my story. This is um, Barry Norman's. So Barry Norman was over in Hollywood and they were due to interview Tom Hanks. The first time he'd never met him at this stage. And they were called into a hotel in Los Angeles, all set up, all ready for the interview. Hanks never showed up. Time's going on. It's an hour has gone past. And I'm thinking, this is just great. Another typical bloody Hollywood star. And the phone rings. And they said, oh, it's Mr. Hanks on the phone for you. So Barry Norman takes the call. And Hanks said, I'm really sorry. There's been a mix-up. We're in this hotel, the other side of Los Angeles, where we were told to go to. You're there. Clearly, there's been a mix-up. Wait where you are. We'll come to you. Wow. As Barry Norman said, for a star like that to say, we'll come to you rather than you come to us. And that endeared into him straight away. And all through the rest of his life, Barry Norman said, yeah, Tom Hanks is just a great guy. Yeah, and he does seem to be a great guy, you know. I mean, he's a big space nerd fan. He... Do you know what football team he supports, by the way? No. Villa. It is Aston Villa, yes. that's correct. Aston Villa. That was Aston a guess. Villa. Yeah, no, no, it's good. And the reason why, he said, because it sounded exotic. <laughs> <laughs> How little he knows. For anybody um, who isn't in the UK, okay. yeah, Aston Villa are not exotic. Sorry, Phil, you were going to say something there. Yeah, talk, just thinking about the Green Mile, which is yeah. fantastic. And obviously, I think maybe one of his best performances. He did something that was really rare, because uh, when the A-list cast are doing their shots, when they turn the camera around... They normally bugger off and yeah. they just get someone in to say the line. Mm. And for Michael Clark Duncan, yeah. yeah, Tom Hanks made sure he was there so that he could help him get there for his performance. And that is just really rare for... He stayed in, he stayed in the uniform the whole time. Yeah, he like, oh, but he so. wanted to help out Michael. He, yeah. he wanted to help him out to make sure he could get his performance. And that is so rare because most A-listers would just bug off to the trailer and yeah. first AD or someone just reads out the line. He is this generation's Jimmy Stewart. Oh, that's a great line. Yeah. Jeff took my line. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Phil. Hey, mate. Sorry, Phil. Uh, anyway, Phil, you're there. What, what else have you got to say other than the line I've taken? Well, yeah, Tom Hanks is a slam dunk. I mean, my interesting story is, is my my wife's both love and hatred of Tom Hanks. So, uh, you, you mentioned, Graham, that he like did lots and lots of comedies. My wife absolutely loves Tom Hanks comedy films and basically will not watch him from about 95 onwards. Um, and if I, if ever there's a Tom Hanks film coming out of the cinema, I know I'm watching it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so like my VHS sort of rentals and stuff, all those films you mentioned, I think you mentioned most of these, there's like Bachelor Party, The Money Pit, Dragnet, Big... The Burbs, Turner and Hooch. Joe versus the Volcano was a big deal when I was a kid for some reason. Actually, I quite like um, that one. The rest was shit that you just mentioned. But the <laughs> Turner and Hooch no, is great fun. Then yeah. like the Money oh, Pit's good. It's all yeah, very accessible, isn't it? Yeah, um, but then, you know, he, he, 
you know, I think Philadelphia and Forrest Gump were the ones that I think Graham mentioned. It just turned into this drama powerhouse. And I don't think you mentioned the Toy Story films, actually. Well. No, we have. Oh, that's yeah, very that's, true. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shoot. <laughs> and and he's, he's done quite a few films with Spielberg now. I think I've listed five that he's done with Spielberg. So you mentioned Saving Private Ryan, but I don't think you mentioned Catch Me If You Can, the Terminal and Bridge oh, I, I, Yeah, I was going to come on to the Terminal. The Terminal is one of my favourite films. I, I think the way that's done, that whole... It's it's a very anti-American film mm, as well. Definitely. I just think it's a stunning little movie. Catch Me If You Can, I just thought was that was phenomenal um, with DiCaprio, who we talked about last time. And Bridge of Spies is the one that oh, I, I think now's, now's on the Jimmy Stewart analogy because... He plays this stand-up guy who might not necessarily agree with what he's doing, but he agrees with the principle, and he stands up for the principle, and that's a very sort of Jimmy Stewart sort yeah. of yeah. all-American idea. That's a very yeah. good point. I'm really looking forward to um, a beautiful day in the neighbourhood. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. I think, again, Jeff, you know the release date. Is that going to come out this year? In the yes, UK, it is. It's sixth yeah. of December. Okay, so that based on what I've seen in the trailers, is like a quintessential Hanks film, isn't it? Because Yeah. And I really, I'm loving the buzz about people saying you come out of that film feeling really, really uplifted. Yeah. Um, Lucy's seen it and she said it flawed her. She said she was crying most of the way through through it. it. (laughs) Emma was quite moved by it as well. So I am so looking forward to that film. What, What does everyone think... So of all the people we've talked about, they've all kind of done one or two films as directors. What what do we think of that thing you do? I, I he love plays it. the the band manager. That's a nice little film. Yeah, I, that's a great film. Yeah, uh, in fact, I've got an autograph from Tom Hanks. He signed my CD of that. Did he? Yes, he did. I, I wasn't actually there when he did it, but it's a long so story. Who who buys CDs? I don't. Yeah, know. people that want physical media that isn't. Uh, mind you, you that was uh, 23 years ago. Yeah, it was. But it's a great <laughs> film. But one of one of my one of my favourite lines in that thing you do is the father saying to him about the changes in society, and he says, "We'll never open our shop on a Sunday. We will never open on a Sunday." But that film didn't make a splash, pun intended, as it should have done, really. Because no, it's a really and, nice film. But it? it's a great film. It's a great, yeah. uh, great cast, great music. But Larry Crown is the same as well, which he also directed, and I think that's a tremendous little film with him and Julia Roberts. And I haven't seen that, and that's ah, on my list as really well. really good. Have you seen that one, Phil? I have seen that. That's the one where he goes on a... a to, to night school. The, yeah, but is it is it the one where he drives the, the weird little thing where you lean on it and it goes forward and stuff? Yes. Yeah. Segway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Segway. I have seen that, yeah. Um, and so I, I just popped into my head, Sleepless in Seattle. Uh, yep. Amazing! You, you've got male terrible. No, you got what? Sorry, you got male. Oh, you've got male. that as well. No, it's shocking. No, it, it's good. It's, it it's just, just shows a... the Godfather as the book everybody's got to learn. Let's look at one of the best performances: Cloud Atlas. How many films does Tom Hanks say the word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cloud like Atlas was great. It's very good. I love Cloud Atlas. His best thirty seconds of any performance is Captain Phillips the, is it the very last minute when his character like it all the oh, whole emotion yes. just hits him and he when doesn't he say down. anything yeah. that's phenomenal that, that is amazing yeah. um, actually can I just say uh, I don't I'm not a massive fan of the film at all but 
the moment in Castaway when he's out at sea at, you know, near the end and he loses the ball and he goes mm. to pieces. Yeah, that is so affecting. I'm not even invested in the film, but he yeah. does that so honestly. That's, that's a really powerful. That's interesting. Moment. There's two of you said you don't like Castaway, and I, I think really. it's a brilliant. Movie. I mean, I don't I think it's a bad film, but it, I, but it doesn't for me. It doesn't really didn't grab me. No, it didn't grab me. It's interesting because it did for me. I, I I I picked it as my film of the year that year. So I'm in the yeah, boat. I did. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. it was. Um, and that's probably because most people would like you to live on a desert island <laughs> away from them, Jeff. <laughs> well, that's good for you, Greg. No, thank, thank you. So, yeah. Sorry, Phil. You I, say. Was, I was going to say, doing puns, I'm in the boat of the castaway doesn't grab me. The thing that grabs me the most about castaway is all the technicality of how they did it. And he yeah. filmed the Harrison Ford film in the break between the two halves. What and, lies beneath. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff about how they made it is far more of an interesting story than Castaway. And I kind of like the first half of the film, but not the second half of the film. Has anybody seen that movie Monsters and Mazes? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. A TV film. Yeah. With the Hanks as the, the guy that goes yeah, into the. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. I thought that was. I thought he was well, I great. I think that in may that. have been the first one I saw because that was a TV movie, pro- yes. probably shown around 1984 or five. Yeah, that's when I saw it. And yeah. I think I saw it on TV. Yeah, before yeah, anyone knew who he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that on when I was doing my research. I saw that on the Wikipedia, and I thought, "What the hell is that? Yeah. I've never seen that." No, okay. it's a TV film. Because he did some really dark stuff. Then he did Family Ties with Michael J. Fox. Where he oh, played yeah. the, he was an addict. He wasn't was. Yes, he was, he was uh, an alcoholic, yeah, uncle or something. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And uh, again, yeah, no, great. Uh, yeah. Just as I say, he's great, just, range. <laughs> great range. Great range. I've just got guy. one quick question. Yeah. In Big, I only realised this the other day because someone else mentioned it. But in Big, he plays the child much younger than the actual child is. It plays. In, the, yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, he does. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, which, no, which is no. odd. I've never really thought about it before. But okay, I, I haven't picked yes. up on that. If you look yeah. at the actual kid in Big, big he's more mature, mature than Tom Hanks' Tom Hanks performances. Yeah. He's gone down a few years. Anyway, sorry. Yes, wonderful he plays Howard Shaw. But amazing film. Amazing film. Yeah. yeah. And yes, a wonderful how, um, yeah. Howard Shaw score. Okay, my turn. To our listeners, I've had to grab this from Graham. He really tried to get this, but I forced him back. <laughs> and I picked... Mel Gibson. Okay. And uh, now, uh, now let's vote. Uh, yeah, okay. And now I'll just put in the outro music at this point now, <laughs> Jeff. And, and, and thank you, Phil, for uh, joining us for thank this Thank you. Show. It's been a pleasure. See you next <laughs> week. Yeah. <laughs> so, what the hell? Let's be honest. Go on, He's then. won Oscars. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies 
that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! A lot of people think he's Australian. He's, in fact, American. He's born in New York. And when he moved over to Australia, his father never renounced his citizenship. So he'd be, he So his life is a lie. So you No, he was American. The problem with Mel is fame came too early to he's end. He's an asshole. <laughs> I could tell you a story. I do know somebody who met him and they weren't impressed. But I do think... You look at that Australian period. So he was there when Australian cinema... Yeah. Hit its height. Yeah. You know, he's in Mad Max, he was in Gallipoli, Mad Max 2, and The Year of Living Dangerously. He was 20, 21 when he was doing yeah. this stuff going on. So he'd already had this career. Well, it's only natural he was going to go over to the States. The problem was a lot of these films didn't work out for him. The bounty didn't work out, although... Great, great film. It, it's a great film, I love but that it film. didn't work... I don't know if you ever caught that show that was on John Sessions, Six Degrees of John Sessions, that was on Radio 4. No. He tells his stories of what Gibson was like on working on The Bounty and the fact he used to, like, he beat up Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, yeah. I forgot Daniel Day-Lewis in it as well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How out of control he was. But he made The Bounty, The River, Mrs. Soffel, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, and all of them were flops. Yeah. yeah. Gibson's career was... He'd made this move from Australia to America and his career was almost over. He was a borderline alcoholic by this stage as well. The funny thing was when they were making the bounty, and and again, this is in the John Sessions show, so it has been broadcast, is Anthony Hopkins said, you know, if he doesn't calm down, he will have a real problem. He will burn out. And he would know. Yeah, Mm. exactly right, because he went through the same routine. When making Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Gibson announced that I need to sort this problem out. So he was in limbo here. You know, he he had all this great stuff in Australia. He'd come to America. He then beats out Bruce Willis to the part of Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon, and it was mainly due to the pairing of him and Danny Glover. Shout out there to Marion, Marion Doherty who created that. She created thinking that those two together would be brilliant. She's a good casting director. Yeah, and she was great. And that began the second phase of his career. So we had the Lethal Weapon films, Hamlet, Bird and a Wire, Forever Young. And I think the mentor for Gibson at this, which which brought him through this, was Richard Donner, the director. Without Donner, I think Gibson wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, be here today. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Donna helped him through his directing. I know he helped him in pay- Payback, but also Man Without a Face and Braveheart. Those were key things. But he was on a roll. Anything he touched, whether it was directing, as you know, Braveheart won all the Oscars, whether it's historically accurate or not, <laughs> probably not. But mm. animation, Pocahontas, I mean, he sung in Pocahontas. He was in Chicken Run and he was really good. So he was on a high. He was Hollywood royalty. Two things that went wrong for Gibson in 2006 were the marker for this. One, his wife divorced him. So he'd been with her since, you know, the... Forever. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. pretty much. And she'd had enough of him, so she divorced him. And two, pretty much Richard Donner retired. And once that happened, he started going off the rails. So he had, you know, the complete meltdown. Films like... Edge of Darkness and The Beaver didn't help him because they weren't financially successful. He went through B-movie hell. You know, he, he wants to work, so he yeah. does things like Machete in Space. Expendables 3. Expendables 3. <laughs> Wonderful daddy song too. 
much better than Daddy Someone. Um, How can you tell? But as a director, I mean, he was Oscar nominated for Hacksaw Ridge. Great film. Great film. Great film. We're missing the point here and the passion of the Christ. This is a guy who made a film in its original languages and it made, it was a monster hit all over the world. But he had a, he had a target audience though. That yeah, was yeah. It was the Catholics. Yeah, but even no, so, Christians you're assuming general. Catholic, this, Accomplished director, yeah, you're saying. He yeah, no, is. he's an accomplished director. Yeah, absolutely. But this year he came back with, and he's acting in Dragged Across Concrete. I think Dragged Across Concrete is one of the better films of this year. These two guys didn't like it. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Well, we're the only was, three guys in the cinema. We were, we were the only the three cinema. people in the cinema. Yeah. It's a great And film. it was a small, it was a small cinema. Yeah, but it was. Yeah, we it's were the only three. We would have been the only have three seen in any film? cinema. I've not, I've not seen it yet. Um, I've seen the director's other two films, but I've not seen that one. And you liked the director's other two films, didn't you? I did, yeah. I did like the other two films, yeah. That's Bone Tomahawk. And Riot yeah, in Bone. Cell Block. Uh, Cell Block 99, isn't it? It's a really interesting character piece. It is overlong. I will accept that. I accept that for Bone Tomahawk as well. They're overlong films. But I think his performance is great. It, he was the best thing in that film. That's all I'll say. The film wasn't great, but he was the best thing in it. So he was the he best was of a bad lot. the only person. Or, well, there were a few others, weren't yeah. there? I think he, as an actor, he's uncompromising. I mean, you look at a film like The Patriot, you know, the studio wanted that as a PG-13. He said, no, you've got to show the violence of that war. And he put that in. You didn't like that film, I can tell. Sorry. No, I didn't. But, yeah, I don't like that film. But, uh, yeah, he's still got good screen presence in it. And, yeah, he doesn't shy away from violence. That's a good point. And, that, and that's the thing, even in Passion... I mean, there's an interesting thing in Passion of the Christ because he was the character... He directed the film, but he was the centurion who put the nails into Christ's hands. So it's a reflection of his Catholic guilt. Which, uh, yes, he did. Genuine, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Uh, yeah. But you know, Passion of the Christ. I don't want to go into it too much, but you know, there's the argument. That it's not really a film. It's just a third act. Well, it, which is interesting. That's a I'm great saying, line. That's a great line. Yeah, I'm not saying I. I'm, that's yeah. a fact, but that's an interesting there's, way of looking yeah, at that film. I have problems with the film. I must admit, but generally, you know, it's but a you're piece right. Of it made hundreds and hundreds of millions. Uh, it, it, it did. You know, today, Mel Gibson, if he was to come to them and say, well, let's not take Passion of Christ, let's take Apocalypto. Yeah. I'm going to make this film in ancient Mayan. Yeah. And they allowed him to do it. Yeah. And the result was a great movie. Yeah, I Although really like it. In Cheltenham, there's only 17 lines of dialogue in ancient Mayan, let me add you just to say that. Although that didn't stop somebody in Cheltenham walking out saying, I don't watch foreign language films. Oh, that was you, <laughs> was it? No, it wasn't me. Either. Oh, right. Couldn't the, get the, the subtitles. Yeah. I thought you said in a recent podcast that you didn't like having to read in films. No, I don't. Uh, you're right. I didn't. Uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Unless it's the seventh seal. Yeah. There's I don't know why, but there's only 17 lines. Yeah, indeed. There so are only virtually 17 nobody Is that your limit it? then? If there's 18 yeah, lines, yeah, no, you can't I, can, I, 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 would, I would struggle with that. 20, over 20 have had it. I did ah, I did see it, and it could have taken at least half an hour out of it. What, of Apocalypto? Yep. Get off. I will get off. It's a lean, <laughs> mean action movie. It doesn't let up. As much as I love Mad Max Fury Road, and I really do, Tom Hardy's fine, but Mad Max with Mel Gibson in the early 80s, that intensity he just burns yeah. up the screen, and you know, you've got to give him credit for that, and that's no wonder that his career just rocketed after that. Mad Max 2 is, is an yeah, astonishing. Mad Max 2 way. especially, yeah. Well, the one good thing about the whole Mel Gibson thing that uh, Jeff is doing is that we know who's coming fourth. Yeah, exactly. 
by miles. <laughs> but he will be remembered, there's no doubt about that. I think he will, I, I, and I think it, um <laughs> Not for yeah, the right not, reason. No, I think he will. I think the early part of his career is good. Mr Foster, you've got, what have you got to say on this? I think that you're taking your vendetta a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> and and if, if you were going to pick an action hero, you could have had someone like Tom Cruise, who I think is a far better candidate. But what you say, you know, there's some there's some merits in there. Um, I do sort of see him as much more of a popcorn action movie, like so, like Air America, A Bird on a Wire, Maverick, all those sort of things. You know, Mad Max is probably his sort of crowning glory. Um, I quite liked Payback. That was a good which, film. Yeah. It was um, Brian Helgeland, I think, made that. And yeah, I think so, so, it did, but he took over a bit, didn't he? There's a bit of an issue right. with. Yeah, so, that was a big issue. Yeah. And, and and there is something in Mel Gibson's credit. So Brian Helgeland, you're, you're right. He made the original film. The studio didn't like it, ah. so they called in Richard Donner. Richard Donner came in and directed and added characters and all sorts of things to it. And that was the version that was released. But Helgeland was really sort of put out and the fact that, you know, as a director, he wanted his version released and Gibson supported him. So the fact that now that version is out there, and I've seen that version, it is quite good. To be honest, I couldn't tell, you know, between the two, which I prefer, I like them both, different music scores as well and different characters come into each one of the films. But Gibson stuck by the director. And again, this is at a time when he had that clout to do it. Hmm. Full credit, really, to to, to the guy for, for doing that. And the only film I don't think you mentioned, but I do really like, is um, Signs with M. Night Shyamalan. He gets oh, play, um, yeah, Chris, that's I good. Think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really like that. But, he's good but yeah, I mean, I think he's got great screen presence. I think that it's, I think it's too hard now to separate his acting from his personal life. Yeah, that's and a I, fair comment. Yeah, I really, it's one. That's like a really great debate. Maybe it's a debate we could have for another another time, but. It's hard sometimes when somebody has done some things that you just think are personally abhorrent to separate that from their art. Absolutely, and, you know, like it's like it's like the whole Kevin Spacey argument now. Um, you know, and I do find it hard with Mel Gibson now to sort of separate that out. But I do think those you know those action hero roles were really good fun and really enjoyable. But I don't think that he's done you know, the the great film or the great acting performance that, like, the others, the other people we've talked about have. Okay. Well, this has been a, a fascinating and very long discussion. Good luck to you, editing, Graham. And let's focus minds, because when Phil mentioned this about what we were going to do, there were so many other people we could have included, rather than Mel Gibson, say, as I'm sure you would, Graham. Yeah, definitely. We could have included Al Pacino, Samuel L. Jackson, Bill Nye, Jeff Bridges. Michael Douglas, Richard Gere, John Travolta, Tom Cruise. And rather than the lightweights like Emma Thompson, we could have included <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, Jessica Lang, Sissy Spacek, Goldie Horn, Holly Hunter, or Annette Benning. Sorry. I decided to pick two British people. Yeah, yeah. So maybe next I had, time... I had one more to add, Jeff. There's John Cazell. I think he only did five films. And all were nominated for Best Film. Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, he was... He died um, young, didn't he? He was living with Meryl Streep when he died. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. they, they were an item. Gee whiz. Yeah, and the deer hunter. So you watch. What are you implying? Well, well, they were they were having sex, Neil. Anyway, next time, 
Perhaps we can go further back to another generation. Perhaps, Neil, we can go back to a time you were happiest in, the 1920s. So, <laughs> who's left? <laughs> well, I'll pick Jane, Jane, Dame Judi Dench. I'll pick James Cagney. Okay. Okay. That, that's brilliant. But, yeah, we'll do another one. We'll go back another generation in time. Holy cow. To what period? 1923 to 1943. There's some great trips, Spencer Tracy. But Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart. Bogart. It's a bit later than that, isn't it? James Cagney. No. That'd be wonderful. That'd be great fun. Okay. On that note, right, Phil. Thank you cheers, very much. Mate. Catch you later. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Yeah. And thank Bye. you in the Love studio, you, Phil. Phil. Oh, yeah, and you, Phil. Thank yeah, you. Cheers. Thank you Bye. very much. To make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe to At The Flicks at our website, attheflicks.uk. And if possible, please remember to rate and review At The Flicks wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact the team on Twitter or by email. Our contact details are also on our website, attheflicks.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>